Well, I'm going to start proceedings by doing this. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm drinking some of that. Ooh, Dead Pony Club. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing you're not drinking anything at the moment. No, I am not. I am uh, on the wagon. How you been doing, man? Um, all things considered, <laughs> life life is good. Uh, there was there was a time that battles with bits of rubber was going to become a one man operation. <laughs> certainly, certainly had the potential. So but I'm going to be, but I'm going to be okay. Do you want to give a little rundown on that without getting too morbid? Yeah. Um, January 7th, um, I was extremely short of breath, and Donna and I had decided we're going to go into a doctor and see what's going on, because shortness of breath is, is a big red flag. And I, taking a shower was the most difficult thing I've ever done. I, I could barely lift the towel to dry off. And we got the uh, urgent care, and they ordered some, a, a CT scan of my, my chest and some x-rays and got the pictures back as we were while we were driving home and called just as we were walking in the door and said, get back in the car, get to the emergency room. And I was admitted to the hospital for multiple pulmonary embolisms in both lungs and to the point that it has put a lot of stress on my heart. So I'm on taking it easy for a while. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, you know, that's, I'm, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to make a full recovery. Uh, no dietary restrictions, though I'm on blood thinners, so I, I can't really drink. And just got to take it easy and let the clots dissolve and get my strength back. The doctor said the, the interesting thing was I never had any physical pain during any of it, mm -hmm. which they said is highly unusual and haven't heard of that. So so I had nothing to really, I, I can't tell that anything's wrong except for that fact that I, I couldn't breathe. And now wow. you can hear my voice sounds a little a little weird and that's that's a byproduct of this all, all this crap. Okay. But I'm going to be fine eventually. Well, we're glad to have you fucking on the mic to be honest yeah yeah no there i think to be honest with you if we had waited until january 8th to go in and to see somebody about it you might be doing this by yourself Jeez, man yeah dodge wow. dodge the bullet that's cool yeah so i'm i'm happy to be here and life is good man i'm glad to speak to you <laughs> I'm sorry I had to make you fucking wait while I was dicking around trying to find my clapboard. Oh, that's that's cool. I got to tell you, I listened to to the rough cut of of your interview with Richard, and it was mm -hmm. so so great. He's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I didn't, I've, you know, I didn't really. Uh, whenever I throw these things out, I always like assume everyone's going to tell me to piss off. So I'm always grateful when people say, "Yeah, come on in." In fact, come to my house. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so thank you. That was a good one. Um, so, well, I've not been... I've been fine health-wise. I've just been doing my fucking taxes and paperwork, which is, you know, a chore. But yeah, nobody... Now. 
Nobody looks forward to doing that. No, but uh, no, nobody as... in their right mind, anyway. No, I don't even think the accounts do. Although I think my accounts deserve a medal. They were fantastic. They they turned that around very quick because um, the deadline's you know the end of this month. So, but yeah, we have uh, we have a little more time than that, and um, we we changed account. I think I told you this, but we changed accountants last year, and wow, what a difference it's okay. made. He ain't cheap, but um, what he's saving us is worth every penny we're paying him to, to do our taxes. Uh, I count it money well spent. Well, it's no point in spending less on a shit accountant, I suppose, because like you say, that's just a waste of money. Yeah, no, we're, you know, we're not, get, we're not getting anything back from the government, but at least we're not paying a lot, if anything, to the government. To, yeah. um, and... Though we don't need to, and yeah, and since Donna and I both work as independent contractors, we're not on staff anywhere, so, you know, we're responsible for our own withholdings. I love our guy. He's, he's the Awesome. Well, um, TV-wise, I mean, while you're recovering, one thing you should check out if you haven't seen it is Buster Scruggs, the, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix. It's great. I, I, it's, it's very dark. It is it's, very dark. Um, but not in it's an not obvious way. Typical, but I love, I love, I love the Coen Brothers. Yeah, and and there are definitely humorous Coen Brothers moments in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more of a a slice of life of what the real settling the West was like. Uh, yeah, that's the that's what I took away from it. Like, what a tough, tough existence, you know? It was just <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was amazing. So that was a good show. I recommend that. I think Christian Tinsley did a bunch of stuff that I saw him post a picture of he did. the arrow through the neck, which looked cool. But just the whole thing mm-hmm. is just outstanding. There's some real good visual gags in there, like with the Clancy Brown with his pistol and all that kind of stuff. That was yeah, and the, and the and the individual pieces, you know, because it's, it's basically chapters of the American West. It's not a cohesive storyline yeah, sh- through the whole shorts. thing. It's individual bits um tom waits is a great one as a mm-hmm. as a gold prospector which i loved yeah uh, the writing is terrific it's very good yeah it was it was it was compelling uh so i recommend watching that well you already have seen but you know if you're listening well you we know. just we've we just finished binge binge watching um the the two seasons uh on um prime video amazon prime video of the marvelous mrs Maisel. I've not seen that. I'm going to write that down. Check check that one out. It's a it's a comedy, but it's kind of kind of dark as well. Uh, it takes place in the 1950s. It's a it's a beautiful period piece um, about a Jewish family, uh, particularly about a Jewish woman who comes into her own uh, and becomes a stand-up comic. Oh wow! And it's it's pretty sweet. Awesome. That sounds and cool. The and the and the casting is. The the actors they've got doing this doing this show are amazing. That sounds cool. I will look that up. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Yeah, excellent stuff. Well, I got your rubber chicken. Good, good. And I am <laughs> I and I just ordered a bunch of little itty bitty rubber chickens, so I'm going to send you some of those Yay. so we can send send out some little bitty. Kit chickens to emergency people chickens. on both sides of the pond. Emergency chickens, because <laughs> who doesn't need a, a rubber chicken in their kit? Absolutely. We can get some orange <laughs> ones. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, 
Oh my gosh. Well, this week I've been, uh, I just finished up. Last week I, I had a, like a whole bunch of stuff to do for this show. And then I had a call the other day, I uh, needed some more bits and bobs. So I've been like cramming in, doing all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, Christmas was a busy time. Just uh, all that's done and the kids are back at school. But it just hasn't hasn't stopped every day. It's just well, you had a house full too, didn't you? I had a house full, yeah. And that, that was all good, but it just meant not a lot of stuff got done because of family being over. And that was fine. It was lovely, but then it was just like, you know, when everyone gone, it was like, wow, there's all this stuff. And then, like, the phone calls happened, and then teaching a class last week, and then the second that finished, I thought I had a day off, and then this job came in, and it was like, oh, so it's all been a bit crazy. So I have been... Yeah, it's, it's nice to be busy. I, you know, I had to, because of, of uh, my PE, my advanced makeup design class that I teach uh, in spring semester at the University of Colorado and up in Boulder... I had to, I had to back out on it, yeah. well, right just because, case. just because I couldn't, couldn't, um, couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, you know, the phone's been ringing, and I'm, I'm keeping busy, uh, and life is good. Awesome, man. I've, I've dropped about twenty five pounds, which pulmonary embolism, great weight loss program, highly recommended. <laughs> Duly noted. Not, not. <laughs> is it like a keto thing or? Oh, well, you know, it's it's weird too. It's because um, the the doctors are convinced that it's the result of. And it, when I fly, you know, I I wear compression stockings on my legs to kind of because that's where blood clots form in your legs. Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting idle on a on a long flight, mm-hmm. that that adds to the to the risk. So you know compression stockings and getting up and walking around while you're in the air yeah. is a good idea is a good idea and you have unusually which is, long which, legs for a human being and i and i do that but uh they're convinced that even though i did everything right you know i i logged close to twenty thousand air miles in december wow okay to and from china and then um cross country mm-hmm. Twice, there were probably uh, for pilots were over, for that, over so. Christmas. Yeah. yeah, so so that that was the contributing factor. So I'm I may may not be traveling for a while, or taking the train. I'll just take the train to China next time. Mm-hmm. I'll have to come to Colorado. We'll do that. Yes, indeed. Would love that. So I, I was just thinking a little bit today about um, uh, a painting silicon. Uh, I'm making these fingers, these little slip-on finger things for this gangster show. And uh, they've got a very, they, or they need a very durable paint finish. It's been rubbing off a lot. I've been using some very nice paint finishing stuff. And I today I've been using mostly, I don't know if you guys have it, but we use the RS Flurable Silicon Compound. I think it's the same thing as Silpoxy from Smooth-On, but I don't know. Is it a one component? It's a one component. Stuff in a two. It smells acetoxy. It smells that vinegary smell. Um, yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's, gotta set, be it's very similar. It's quite runny. Like, Silpox is a little thicker, I think. But mm-hmm. it comes in a decent-sized tube, and it's not stupid expensive. Well, that's good. So that's good. It was, And I was trying that out, but I don't know if, you'd, if you had any words of wisdom on that, because I found basically uh, basing well, it with this first, it was a little thick, but it stuck like shit to a blanket. It would not come off. It didn't. I don't think it's as nice a paint finish. It's not as refined. It's a little bit thick. But it, in terms of stippling on as a base coat, it worked like a charm. 
Well, you can thin it out with naphtha. That'll, mm. that'll liquefy it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Just takes it'll actually uh, do use a naphtha to thin it out. Give you a longer working time. Yeah, also. I did. I did a little bit of naphtha thinning. I also have some Novox matte as well from Smooth On, which is good stuff. Yeah, I think though, if you're if you're painting, you know, if you're doing an external paint job on something like fingers, where there's going to be a lot of lot of traffic and a lot of contact with it, mm. I think the only way to have stuff not rub off is to try painting it intrinsically. Yeah, so it's inside the paint. Working job. working working inside out mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. which for fingers is going to be a pain in the ass because you've got to have a core. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the only way I can see it not rubbing off at all. Otherwise it, at some point you're gonna it's gonna start losing cohesion. Yeah. Because the thing is with a face it's kinda different because people don't tend to you know, pick stuff up and fight with their face. If they do, they've got right. a fucking great face. <laughs> I'd like Smacking to see it. Around. I've got to see it done. Yeah. I would like to see it. Like that. watching a giraffe fight. <laughs> Two junk giraffes, drunk giraffes <laughs> kicking the shit out of each other. Swinging your faces around. <laughs> Boom. Bang. And that probably happens in Scotland a lot. Probably. Yeah, we have giraffes over here in Scotland. <laughs> I'm sure there are some. There's some at Edinburgh Zoo, I'm sure. Uh, pretty cold for the poor sods. I have to look that up. So I had a nice message um, from from Charlotte Spruce. She's a makeup artist who graduated recently, and she was uh, telling me that she had mentioned on a Facebook group um, our blog post and the formula we discussed about um, you know trying to figure out what your worth is. Oh, how, what to charge? Yeah, and, and it was yeah. just a good exercise. If you haven't seen it, I can't remember. It was a couple of episodes ago, but basically, the the point is to take whatever it costs for you to stand still for a year, add up all your bills, add up all your outgoings, what you need, what you know, the bills that you have to pay. Someone will come knocking if you didn't pay them. Those bills, add everything up, and then divide it by three hundred sixty-five, and that's how much it costs to stand still for a day and do nothing. And that gives you a good starting point as to how much you should charge if you want to start turning a profit. And uh, I was just very grateful she um, had mentioned you know this and, and posted it on this Facebook group. And it was just lovely to hear people saying, oh, wow, I haven't heard this podcast. It was like, yeah, so this is the thing. This is my plea to you all. If you're listening to this and you like this, please do tell at least one other person because you'll be surprised how small the audience. We have a decent sized audience, but it's surprising how many people have never heard of us. And there's plenty of room for more. There is. And it only helps us if that is. So if you are feeling uh, uh, predisposed to help us out, I think just, yeah, just telling somebody, throw this stuff on your social media and just link us into that. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that post, Charlotte. But yeah, it was, uh, it was just cool that uh, that hadn't happened. And then, and I sent you some pictures. Somebody did a post basically saying, look, I'm working on this movie. Um, I need some help. Look, this is not paid, but it, it's going to be amazing. Uh, and uh, th- there is a certain sort of like in- innocent, uh, naive charm to the request of that. Partly because I think people don't realize how fucking often makeup artists get asked to do stuff for free. They think that they're the first time doing it. It's like some kind of fucking bloke hitting on a girl in a bar. And he's like, oh, she's going to fucking love my lines. It's like, dude. And it's not just makeup artists. I either. guess, it's yes, any creative kind of field. It's it's uh, artists in general seem to it's it, maybe it's happens across the board you know maybe accountants get it too but but we see it because mm-hmm. th- this is what we do that you know they think oh yeah sure 
how hard could it be for you to whip up an illustration for for the mm-hmm. cover of my book for me? And it's like, no. Yeah, oh, exactly. And I have and no money. Just, it was quite funny, but it was it was his defiant kind of responses to you know a lot of people who you know I know have worked on a lot of stuff. He's like, yeah, and basically he was basically saying, yeah, I haven't seen anything decent enough. You know, I don't believe these artists that get paid are any good. And it was like. <laughs> So, as you can imagine, it elicited some very um, uh, ripe responses from people who are just sick to the fucking back teeth of people like this coming in and just saying, oh, I want to, you know, and, and then getting arsey when they get called on it. That's the thing that pissed his, you know, everyone off. Yeah, that, that was the thing that, that got me is, um, one, it was pretty cheeky to, to be asking for people to work for free, which, one, as, as um, one of our mutual friends pointed out, it's, in the United States, it's illegal to ask somebody to work for money. You can ask them to work for deferred pay, which we yep. we all know means yep. you'll never get paid because mm-hmm. the money never shows up. But asking someone to work for free is a big no-no. And then when people call him on this, he gets so defensive. And it's like, you know, you're not going to catch yeah. flies with vinegar. If, if, you, if you're trying to elicit people to help you, you got to lose the attitude. But also, I think it's good to, to, to engender a sort of a culture amongst everyone just to, just to have an awareness that A, you have a value and that you shouldn't just give this stuff up for nothing. But B, just as a, as a, you know, not a union, but as a group of people, as creative people, we just need to look out for each other and just kind of mention this kind of thing and all, be, all, all kind of come at it from the same angle that, you know, that's just sheer exploitation, plain and simple, dressed up as you know a, a golden yeah. opportunity and if it's that amazing an opportunity then you know do like any other business venture go get some money and and pay for it you know <laughs> if i want to start up in a car yeah. firm. it's well it's basically his 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 request is you know a variation of the yeah good fast cheap yeah. pick two apparently none <laughs> a triangle's got <laughs> at least three sides <laughs> There's no sides here. But yeah, that was interesting. And it was just it just made me think, God, you know, this stuff hasn't gone away and it's still worth talking about. So And it's worldwide. I even I even brought it up to to one of my friends in China after after you showed me this stuff and and she said it happens wow. in China all the time that you know, they they probably get two or three requests a month from people wanting sure. something for I mean, nothing. I mean it isn't unusual in the sense that I am not surprised people want to save money. But what I think we need to do is kind of, I think what I would like to do for you guys to do would be to email us, email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com with, I mean, you are, I'm happy to take screenshots or you can cut and paste, but just, I want to hear, you can obviously take out names if you don't want to identify who it was, but I want to hear stories of fucking ridiculous things that you've been asked for and, and things because I think we can put together yeah. an episode just dealing with it because I think it would be helpful for people to have um, a correctly measured response in preparation for this kind of thing, just like you'd have, you know, a first aid kit in a in a in a workshop. Yeah, and well, well, my 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 friend in China also made the point too that that I think is is valid that um, sometimes you know one of these offers may come through that maybe there's a value to the artist that includes whether or not he or she can learn something new or, you know, it's something you haven't done yet. You know, they're, 
there might be value worth mm. that's that's tradable in there somewhere, and it's not a, a completely black and white issue as to whether you know you want me to to work with you, you have to pay me. If you know, there's got to be something that answers the question, what's in it for me? Um, you know, because obviously somebody that's you know at the high end of the food chain wouldn't even look at something like that because there is no what's in it for me. Um, at least I, th I think that's highly unlikely. But depending on where you are in your experiential level, there might be some value in working for free because, you know, you're doing it someplace you've never been. Um, you, there's somebody else working on it that you've wanted to work with, you know, something that could could uh, equate to some kind of Yeah, I mean, I think if there is something you can get out of it and you've discussed it and that's all on the level, that's fine, but it's just when you get someone who is like, they start by saying, look, I am doing this to make money. It will be successful. I'm going to have, when you get here, you're going to see a whole bunch of shit and you'll wonder who the fuck paid for that, but you, I'm not paying for. Then it's a different thing. If you're sort of all lifting something together... But, Absolutely. Um, you know, to, 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 to have, you know, to clearly have like, you know, business thing underway um, and then to be all shitty about it, it just doesn't work. So, yeah, I think it would be good to to collect together a bunch of stories and we'll do a podcast just on those. We'll read some of them out and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll come together and we'll try and figure out a good way of dealing with it. I mean, I think that that formula of adding yourself up, you know, in your worth. Let's we'll start by how much it costs just to be you and then work back from there. Because if you can't cover that, if you can't cover your living expenses, then um, there's no point in doing it. And then, then you don't, once you realize how much it costs us to exist for a single day, then I think you don't feel so bad asking because you suddenly realize, oh shit, it costs this much to just do nothing. So, you know, of course I'll, I'll need this much money. I think it just, you know, whenever you write any number down, it always mm -hmm. looks like, oh, I'm asking for money. And, how dare I? And it's like, but that's just how much it costs. And if you don't do it, somebody else will for that, you know? Well, so. it, com it comes down to, um, you know, cost, wholesale, and retail. Cost being what your materials costs are, including overhead and, and your time zone, to make something. And then wholesale, that's adding a, a certain percentage to that for somebody who's going to then resell what you've made for them, and then retail, bypassing that that wholesale altogether, and adding profit margin into it. So you know you've I've I've done projects where I've done things for cost, you know, where I'll I'll break even. I draw the line personally. At I won't spend money to do something yeah. for somebody else. I'm, you know, I'm okay doing it as a favor where I'm I'm not making any money, but I'm I'm not going to lose money. No, because then you're paying for them to do their project. You know, unless unless there's some extraordinary unless there's some extraordinary circumstance that I that I can't think of off the top of my head. but And I think it's fair yeah. to say that, I, you know, a lot of this sort of uh, anger towards it comes from the fact that I have done that myself. I've, I've done things for free in the past. And then you kind of get burnt. And I'll still do. I mean, there was, um, uh, you know, there was uh, 
someone that was doing like a theatre thing, a friend of mine, and she was, you know, needed some noses for a, for a Fagin that they were doing. And it was like, yeah, I'll do that for you. Do you know what I mean? I mean, just help somebody out. And it was lovely. But she didn't I'm say, sure. I need this and I need, I'm not paying you anything for it. And here's my deadline. And here's my blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a completely different kind of take on things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a fine line to tread, yeah. especially when you're starting out. But that was, you know, I think this is the thing I just think is important to make everyone aware that they do have a value and if they give something away for free they should be aware that they're doing that and like you say there should be very specific benefits and reasons something that they get out of it rather than just oh i'm i'm doing this for free because i haven't got the stones to ask for fucking money that i know i deserve you know because that's a difficult conversation to have but it's mm-hmm. yeah that's that's when you just have to say well yeah you need to grow something better. be they non-specific genitals <laughs> You have two of those? <laughs> yeah, my daily rate is really good. Um. <laughs> Man, big. Richard Redlifson today. Um, I went to speak to him in Christ August. <laughs> It's taken this long for me to get my shit together and get it all edited down. Um, and I don't know about you, but I saw him first at a trade show. I mean, I, I once I got to sort of see his work, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing, you know, I, I'd seen his work like you do with all these guys. But um, I was just taken by seeing him at a trade show. And he always had a very, yeah. and I say this to him, he always had a very sort of uh, very finessed way of doing things, very thorough. I mean, everything was done to a high standard, but he always seemed to take great amounts of care that's not to say that everyone else i know is sloppy but i mean i just noticed that he seemed to have a, a very precise way about him and it, the stuff he does doesn't look labored because of it but he was was very refined and, and uh, he explained and no, he, he, it's a very natural natural look you know he's he's I, mean, we've, I think you and i've had this conversation too that you know mm-hmm. horror movies are not my thing really though I get asked to do them a lot and I'll watch them every now and then. Horror movies are not Richard's thing either. Um, He'll do them if if asked, but he'd much rather do character work and age makeups. And when you see those things that he does... Yeah, I mean, yeah, very, very well trained. They're they're real people. I I know he does a lot of prosthetic stuff, but as you say, he he does good character stuff because he'll do straight, you know, beauty and, and editorial stuff as well and then that shows yeah he does it all see that it's like the makeup it's like the, the work doesn't stop when the rubber stops you know the, the whole thing is considered as a character and that's a really good thing and I think that's encouraging for anyone that's making you know already doing conventional makeup and editorial stuff and hair that if you did learn charactery things you know you're in you're, all the stuff you already know how to do is, is, is very transferable well, I think some of that comes from, if not all of it, coming from the fact that um, he was well-trained and well-versed in straight makeup yeah. long before he started doing prosthetic makeup. In fact, he worked for Lancome uh, for, a, for a time. So I think having that foundation of really, really strong corrective and, and beauty makeup helps the transition into prosthetic makeup uh, easier. I may be full of shit, but that it seems to, it makes sense to yeah. me. And also that, 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 that dance training, you know, I mean, that was, 
that's not something you think would necessarily be a transferable skill but I think the fact that there's so much precision in what he does like he, you know he explained because I didn't realize before except we spoke to him that he trained as a ballet dancer so he's you know that that precision and, and, and catching somebody if, if you're holding another partner and you're spinning her around and you know they're relying on you to, do, to hit your mark at the right time mm-hmm. and uh, all that kind of that plays so well into just you know working in a very tight makeup room with like eight or nine people bumping into each other in a trailer or getting stuff done I think that it, very transferable it also explains some of the fluidity of his work yeah maybe and it's just like wow I wouldn't have made that connection but that's that's the lovely thing about people who had a career before they did makeup you know they they do it and I was speaking to someone the other day I was teaching last week and she was doing other stuff and she was training and she was worried about being you know too old she's like 36 or something I'm like man it's just like everything that you've done I think you know it all transfers it's amazing how you know if you if you go to a makeup college and you, you, you're working with someone who's like 18 19 20 you know that's fresh out of school but someone who's had like a life there's a whole bunch of stuff their brain's not sort of filled with and they can kind of get on more and they get more out of it so actually I think you know the more mature students tend to get more done because <laughs> they're mm-hmm. not they're not hampered with my boyfriend split out with me and I move out of home and all that kind of stuff oh, and I get that those are dramas when you're that age but I'm just saying you've got to understand that that shit fills your head up in a way that you know when you're older you're just like oh my leg hurts or I'm worried about my bills you know and so that yeah. kind of focuses you a bit more than than the, the, the indestructibility of youth yeah, I was in my mid 40s when I made the switch from visual effects animation to practical effects work mm-hmm and you, uh, I mean that, that that I think is a, is a is a very it's an interesting swing around because there's a lot more digital stuff creeping back into things. Yeah. But um, yeah. but it's funny how all of that sort of real life, you know, grounded stuff is is, is applicable across. And I, I see this a lot with digital stuff as well. Like, you know, so much effort that goes into the digital is trying to ground it in reality and, and recreate those real things. I'm seeing more and more 3D printing uh-huh. creeping into our peers' work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Richard Martin's making some nice, uh, uh, like, yeah. Richard Richard Martin is uh, John Schroyer. You're playing with it. I'm playing with it. Um, hoping that bo- what both of us are doing will get beyond the the play stages and turn into some serious work. Yeah, but it's you know. It's undeniably here to yeah. stay. Yeah. Well, it's 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 fun. It's pretty cheap and relatively cheap, and it, it's 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 repeatable. That's the thing. I think that's the thing that's you know enjoyable. But I think yeah, I think it's important for people who do digital things to work practically and vice versa. I think there's nothing wrong with it. My big dream. I was thinking about this the other day. Would be like when you have like um, you know, people who do digital cleanup and stuff. Uh, say you've got like hair flapping around, you know, in front of a green screen. Uh, you you know someone's going to clean that up. It's probably not a hairdresser behind that mouse. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be Correct. someone who knows yeah. how to do compositing. Yeah. But there's no reason why a compositor shouldn't be a hairstylist who knows about Marcel Wave and all that kind of stuff. So, no, the, you know? I think the more hats you can wear, whether whether you're actually going to be doing the work physically yourself, mm-hmm. the more the more you understand what is involved in the different crafts in the industry yeah to be able to to be able to speak the same language there's going to be less misconceptions less uh miscues um 
everybody's going to be able to communicate better because they're all speaking the same language. You know, that that hairdresser may have no interest in sitting behind compositing software and, and running it and doing the actual work, but understanding the process and being able to talk about pixel resolution and, and mats and all of the different things involved with visual effects is going to help make sure that the end product is what everybody yeah. wants it to be because because ultimately it's a mm -hmm. it's a group effort and you know it's it's not all these isolated people working in competition yeah. with one another they're all working together toward the same mm -hmm. common goal yeah it would be good if they did that with film school I and mean, i don't know if they do where everyone spends a bit of time in every department to appreciate what they do I tried to do that with the classes I was teaching at the Art Institute with my cinematography classes, my acting classes, my visual effects classes, um, model building, trying to give everybody a sense of this is what everybody's doing. And it all matters, that's the thing. And you, you know, when it you see matters, it on a, yeah. on a set, it's quite lovely to see, you know, the sound people doing their thing and the costume doing their thing and... You know, it's just it's you get an idea of just how ever, how good everyone is at what they do because they just everyone's depending on this working. So, but yeah, it's just nice to see like a crew doing its thing. But anyway, I'm I'm waffling on. Let's listen to Richard Redlefson's "Spits of Wisdom." Um, and like I say, this was recorded in August in uh, at his home in his garden. It was lovely. So there's a few there's a few times where aeroplanes and stuff go overhead, and there's like a trash truck going outside and everything. So. Apologies for the ambient noise, but this is, you know, in the field. This is the real thing. The real He's a good Cleveland boy, too. So how you been? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Busy. You know, I mean, it's it, it's been a good year. I mean, you know, I, I did another project with um, Luva and Ava, the makeup designers, and um, um, it's kind of been about one show a year for, like, the last three years, and, I mean, they're, they're great. I mean... I always go there and I always, you know, um, I just feel like I come out a better makeup artist. Mm -hmm. You know, I love their approaches towards makeup. I love how they, they paint and, you know, I did a lot of aging makeup. It's, uh, the film's called Amundsen. Um, it's a story about the life of Roald Amundsen, who was a famous Norwegian explorer, Arctic explorer. He found the North and South Pole. and. Um, Luvaneva again knocked it out of the park with with his makeup and um, probably did like probably seven or eight again age level changes period period piece yep. from the like late 1870s I believe to early 1920s 25 maybe a little later and um, yeah it uh, what they did I think in my personal opinion tr it trumps. Uh, <laughs> Um, what they did on Hundred Year Old Man, wow. you know, with the Allen makeup, it's beautifully done, and you know, and um, but uh, um, they hired me, and you know, it's like a lot of you know, full age makeups, subtle aging makeups, like exposure makeups, you oh, know, wow, like, um, nice range of stuff, yeah, and, and a few injuries and stuff. So, um, a lot of it was, uh, but uh, they we needed another person, you know, like. 
that I tag team with, and, and um, Sarita Allison came on, and I'd, I'd never met her. Um, I'd only known her a little bit from, from Penny Dreadful, kind of that thing, but I'd never met her. And, um, and she was great. We're a great team. I, it was, like, funny because the first time we met, we, like, you know, we had this, I think it was, like, probably nine-piece prosthetic makeup. Wow, that's makeup. quite a thing to, uh, to meet someone <laughs> to like, in person. And, like, never met her. And, and, you know, I mean, she's great, you know. And I think just, you know, I mean, you just, I love doing makeups with people. And, you know, it was it was just you polite. Like, if you're doing a little sealer spritz on a sponge, you get her, you know, or, like, to clean the skin, you know, you just... You think of your your partner, but I mean, I think I get that from like ballet dancer days because I used to be a dancer as well. Okay. And, um, you know, and your partner's always first. You're making the you know you're making the girl look good. You know, you're you're not secondary, but you're um, not to dismiss it. But at certain points, you're utilitarian, so they can yes. do what they need to do, and then you have your minute to shine. You know, but then you get back to you know the. The girls always pushed more forward into the hence point shoes and all of that stuff. But but she was great. I, I had a I had a great time and I had a great time on the show and you know, we you know we shot um, we shot in Iceland mm-hmm. and then the Czech Republic wow. and then Oslo. So a lot of I mean I've been to Prague, I mean one of my wife and I were dating, but <laughs> do, you want to, do you want me to close the window? Oh it's alright, I'm okay with that. I'll ask you. Oh, bless her. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, She's doing a sound check. For oh, me. believe me. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was great, you know, and um, when, when, when my wife and I were dating, because um, um, my wife's Russian. So okay. we actually met on a film in, in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. Oh, wow. And um, it's called Stalingrad. And, um, I know it's Stalingrad. Yeah, the, great the, the the but it was the Benderchuk. It was probably like six, seven years ago uh-huh. that it was done. And um, Illusion Industries, local effects company, she worked for Illusion Industries Moscow, so she was kind of head of their publicity and right? PR department. Oh, my yeah, God. okay. So she was a our like our handler. She had put together all of our. Um, Documents, travel insurance, tickets, all of that, train tickets to and from Moscow to St. Petersburg, and so we met on that. But, um, um, but yeah, the, the 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 movie was great, you know. And we we dated we when we were dating, we met in Prague, and that was the first time I'd been there. And then um, and then to go back was it was super cool you know and um to do a film there and yeah stuff. And Prague is a magical place. I've been there in a few jobs and yeah it's like, you know it's like a medieval village there. yeah it's kind of like well this all could be a set for something yeah you know really <laughs> just clear all the the tourists and you know roll a few drunks out of the way yeah, <laughs> you know? probably so. English drunks <laughs> well <laughs> I, there, there's there. a stag party I mean yeah, this yeah. is like this whole thing well even in Budapest too like there's there's this whole like big party thing man you know but I think there was also uh, I remember seeing a couple of them uh, they were some UK guys but I also think there was like like Norwegian from the you know Scandinavian countries as well mm-hmm. and um, but yeah that w- did that and came home and you know sadly the the department head that um, it's talk about timing I mean my department head from Batman Superman you know 
she's Canadian. Her name's Victoria Down. She's a great, great makeup artist. She does huge movies, you know. And um, um, she called me up like the week after I asked. I said to yes to Luva, and I still said yes. But I mean, because of, you know. Um, um, but she uh, she called me up. She's like, you want to be my key for uh, this this Ben Affleck film called Triple Frontier. And um, I was like, oh, you know how long I've been waiting for this call, Victoria? And this is like, can't this now happen? Can't this happen like in six months? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, how about three months? I'll be home. I guarantee you. And, um, you know, but I jumped on a little bit of it um, um, because I shot in Hawaii for like two months. And then they came here to Mammoth. So we're up like... Uh, by the Sierra Mountains, and they were doing some kind of outdoorsy stuff there, and um, it was great to see her, you know, and you know, um, uh, and now I just kind of, you know, just I jumped on Captain Marvel a little bit, you know, towards the tail end, you know, did a little bit of special effects stuff, mostly little airbrushing, little little transfers, nothing like crazy that because the legacy bit had already gone gone through and finished so um but yeah just day checking you know working with vincent it's just you know his shop mm-hmm. you know he's got show midnight texas and jason collins you know autonomous smilf which is <laughs> i hear that right smilf smilf yeah <laughs> it's it doesn't stand for exactly what everybody might think um but uh I think it's uh, uh, single mother in love forever, or something okay. like that. Okay. So it's a play on the word. Yeah, course, I just yeah, don't it know. Takes the, uh, you know. Expectation but away. I did it last season and uh, did some like plastic surgery kind of makeups, and then okay. Jason's got it this year, and you know. So I mean, work's been good. You know, just Excellent. kind of bouncing around. And when we're proud, uh, my wife and daughter came out, and that was great to kind of like. We stayed up there, you know. <laughs> now we're rolling See, our little daughter yeah, yeah, around, yeah. you know. So it's big, you know. Lots happened in, you know, like seven years, six Maybe. years. So I mean, I would, I would have, I, I, I want to. I'm gonna start a personal project soon, just. But and I thought I was gonna do this son of Monster Palooza, but I think I'm just gonna wait till Monster Palooza, mm-hmm. just so I don't really want to rush it, you know. Yeah, I want to yeah, just, so I just. I feel like a lot of times I rush a lot of them, you know, just to get them done. And, you know, I really want my T's and T's crossed and my I's yeah. dotted, and, yeah. you know. So I was thinking about um, when I spoke to you, like, I think the first time was at UMAE. Yeah, UMAE. I kind of gave you yeah. some sculpting tools. I pushed my Yeah, dude. <laughs> I love those. Use them <laughs> all the time. Thank you. Oh, yeah, are you kidding me? I well, love that cool. little container, too, the little blue box. The little Taranti box. Yeah, the little slidey box thing. Um, and when I, I was trying to think about, you know, when I condense things into thought process, when I think of you and the stuff you do, I, you probably don't associate yourself with it because you're always trying to do the best you can anyway. But is there a certain meticulous and cleanness of everything that you're, oh. I've seen you do? Oh, thanks. And I wonder if that's from, you mentioned, I didn't realize you mentioned from a, from a ballet background. So I wonder yeah. if that plays into, there must be like a discipline drilled in if you started young. If yeah. there's a, a certain uh, attention to detail which I think anyone that works with any precision in any creative field has to have but I wonder if that's a very physical thing is 
it comes across. You probably don't even recognize yeah, it I, yourself. Yeah, I but. mean, well, I mean, I started, I started, I was a dancer. I started ballet, a ballet when I was probably like eight, right. you know, late seven, eight. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, and I did it for probably like 20 years. I finished like in my mid-20s. Okay. And um, I, I did the whole school circuit. And um, your feet hold up? You still go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my <laughs> oh, my feet else. still point, but I, I got I got out young enough that I didn't have any like you know pins in my hips and you know like you know a fused spine because I you know <laughs> um, because most most men when they retire usually have like um, knee and low back problems, or, right. and women usually have hip and ankle kind of issues. Um, uh, mainly because women are usually doing, you know, very high kicks or high, you know, leg lifts that are being held and front, back, and side, and um, ankles because of being on point, you know, yeah, going yeah, up well, onto a, the, the point shoe box, you know. And I mean, and not to mention just the toes and the feet. I mean, they're physically trashed, you know. I mean, it's just, you know, bone spurs and, you know, mm-hmm. what is it? Uh, the hammer toe thing, like yeah, the hammer toe, yeah. you know, all of that, and um, and men hit, uh, low back from lifting and knees from aerial jumps and turns and you know twisting and all of that. But I mean, it was a great great profession. You know, I, I started at Cleveland Ballet School and um, then went to North Carolina School of the Arts, which was a, a cool art school because it it. Um, because when I was at Cleveland Ballet School, I went to regular high school, take a bu- to, to like two buses and a train to downtown Cleveland. This is where I was living, at, you know, where I'm from. And uh, this integrated it more. So, I mean, basically your academics and your art, arts classes were all on one campus. You go to an arts class, and then there were hours for um, academic classes. And then so you do, you'd have it in blocks, so it was just much easier. And um, it was great. I mean, you know, I mean, I auditioned... I went down and auditioned for, for ballet, and I also brought my artistic portfolio because I've always liked to draw and paint since I was a kid, and I, you know, drawing stuff that I saw on TV or the Star Wars movies or robots or R two D two or Ad At Walkers or whatever, you know, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. and um, um, Darth Vader, always like that. Why wouldn't you? You see, you gotta, you gotta do it, um, and. Uh, you know, and so I kind of auditioned for both, and I kind of got into both programs. But they said you have to pick one; you can't do both. So, and I always say it like this: I put my artistic, visually visual arts drawing, you know, painting, sculpting, or whatever. And I didn't really, I didn't really sculpt any. I hadn't really sculpted that much. I mean, I've never taken a, a sculpting lesson. I, I learned by watching. I put it. I put those. I put that on hold. Until I kind of got the dance bug out of my system, and um, and then went on to. So was that because you wanted to dance more? Was that a pragmatic choice? Because that's quite a I mature did. thing to think. I like drawing, but I'm going to put this one. So I guess you had to do that with one of them. So yeah, I I don't know. I kind of was like I really enjoyed performing. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed being on stage, and you know there was something magical about it. And that's actually how I got into makeup, because I was introduced through ballet. You know, like full length ballets. I'll never forget. There was a the first ballet I did was called Coppelia, and it's about these this little village, you know, somewhere in 
seemed like Bavaria or whatever because I had like <laughs> like later hosen kind of thing <laughs> on, you know, on my socks up to here with little with, with the stretch, <laughs> yeah, like, just like the Chuck Norris oh, stretch, <laughs> you know. And um, there's the 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 evil guy is like Doctor Copalius, like, and he's like just this misunderstood wacky old misfit that makes dolls, right? Okay, you know, and the the town the town teenagers like you know want to play a joke on him, so they 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 replace one of his dolls with one of their friends and they kind of do a little makeup to make her, make her look like she's got the doll and she's like and so basically you know he thinks that he's brought this doll to life and so they're like messing with him and stuff and then smash cut to the very end where you know he finds out and they apologize it, it just it, it all ends up in a good good way but the the point is is that there was this the, the director of Cleveland Ballet was um, Dennis Nahat and um, he was in American Ballet Theater, kind of in the golden era, kind of Misha's, Misha's days in the early 70s, you know. And, and there was a long tradition of ballet russe style ballet makeup. You know, you do the very, you know, very chiseled brow for men, high contour of the cheekbones and stuff. But you'd always do this kind of little line underneath to kind of widen the eye for the 30 rows. You know, row 30, that's really your, the big painting seats, and that's what you're, that's what you're right. painting your face for. The, because at that, at that distance, that looks kind of normal. Yes. It doesn't look so like, wow, this is really like... So, um, but he did this really cool character makeup. And he had, I think he was like... Uh, I'm not sure if it's some Middle Eastern, like maybe Lebanese or Armenian, or I mean, Armenia's more north, but um, but a very great character knows, mm-hmm. you know, and just he would just just he would just paint in all these beautiful character lines, and I was just like, that's cool, you know. So I saw that, and I had my little like makeup box, which is just like a you know you know fish tackle box that like everybody yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so i did my makeup kind of like that and you know the ballet mistress like you can't do you can't you have to take that off your face you're supposed to be a little boy you're not an old man that's you know you're the ring bearer yeah, yeah. you're you're pepe the cobbler's son because <laughs> i did have a name it was pepe the cobbler's son so i guess it, maybe it's italian or something but <clears throat> um i don't know pepe could be also spanish um but whatever and um but that's kind of like where I got my my introduction to makeup, and and it, you know, and so through my dance career, I I basically did my own makeup for theater. Wow. Ninety five percent of the time, when they're repertory pe- repertoire pieces, or, um, do you do it on yourself? Yeah. So for your did, own performance. But yeah. Did you also seek what, to do other people, or is that not how it works? It, they do their own. So it or? it did. Yeah. I basically would do myself, and then I remember when I was so. When I was in San Francisco Ballet School, um, they would do their Nutcracker, and they did it at the the War Memorial Opera House. And you'd go down into the basement, and there was a makeup room. And so we were like, you know, when in the second act of Nutcracker, they go to the land of the sweets. So in this version, which was a city ballet, not an American ballet theater version, but a New York City ballet version, which was Balanchine and all that, you go to the land of the sweets, mm-hmm. whereas in the American Ballet Theater version, you go, you visit like Spain or Africa, so you have all these character dances. So the land of the sweets. So um, there was like this Lord and Lady chocolate or strawberry or whatever. So they do these beautiful like character makeups, but they put a foam latex nose on you. Right. So smash, you know. I mean, the bottom line is is that the makeup artists that came out of that program, a lot of them are in 
706 now in this union. And I, you know, Steve Anderson, who I work with all the time, was responsible for making those nose, noses. And there are other few makeup artists that more than likely did my makeup right. when I was a dancer at San Francisco because that's where Richard Snell and uh, John Blake, there has, they have a whole theatrical makeup hair wigs program up there um, that's based very much in the theatrical mm-hmm. bend and then they go on to um, film and television. But So that kind of like, I was like, wow, what are these? You know, So it's like seeing prosthetics for the first time. And um, so... I, I, I then joined another company, Pittsburgh Ballet Theater, but they, you know, San Francisco was a, a huge company. It's a massive company, so they have the, they have the money to do the, have makeup artists do everybody's makeup, whereas when I was in Pittsburgh Ballet Theater, you kind of did your own, so I kind of, I, I was doing this Mother Ginger character, which is kind of like Mother Hubbard kind of thing, or, uh, uh, and, um, so I basically, I had the Corson's book, and um, the wardrobe mistress let me borrow it, you know, so I could see how to make a nose. Uh-huh. And um, so I basically took a tape measure, and I kind of measured my nose like that, and like made a little, made that kind of length on a plate, and then sculpted that nose out of clay, you know, and um, made, I put a little bring, you know, like a can I think it was probably a soup can or something like that and then poured plaster of Paris over it and then let it set up and pull it out clean the clay out and you know I I did a like a slush latex nose I mean I never knew anything about you know stippling the edges or making the edge thin you know mm-hmm. and it didn't really matter but I you know I you mean all these things for the first time so yeah that's like yeah I don't even know <laughs> yeah. yeah so um so yeah, and that kind of that kind of really got me into it, and kind of like then I started noticing it in films, and kind of like you know, because you don't really think about you just kind of there's a suspension of disbelief that the guy is really injured. You don't really think, well, he's got to make a thought. You know, only makeup artists think, well, that's a makeup, and they're critiquing it or whatever. And then I danced in another company in in San Francisco for another like three four years, and I was kind of like, yeah, kind of good to finish that up, and you know start into the whole thing that I put on on hold, the whole makeup and the hair makeup thing. And um, so I went to a makeup school here. I finished dancing, and then I think I fit my last performance was in, like, uh, end of no beginning of November or something like that. In the beginning of January, I moved down here and started makeup school at, at E. It's called EI now. And, um, and it's a good, it's a good, you know, I mean, it's a good program. You know, I think they're all of them. Like Bud's great, cinema makeup school's great, EI's great. You know, you, but it is what you you get what you pay for. But you also, it's a good basic knowledge of like you know like how do you mix plaster? How do you mix stone? Yeah, you, you, you know you add the you add the stone to the water and you sift it in. Or you know how do you mix alginate? The vice versa. You put this the powder in. You know you mix the water in. And da, 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 da. So it's all of this, all of that stuff, and like. You know, I had I had a good knowledge of character breakdown of the face, like you know, all the hollows and kind of like what you do to create those things because I'd done them. Yeah, and you'd known it from the from the performer point of view as well. So you're thinking about what what it's for. What are you getting out of it? Whereas a lot of people don't know that that 
yeah. come at it from the art side of things rather than the... And I think that I think that, that also helps kind of my bedside manner. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm doing an application, I'm, a, you know, it's like, is this important? You know, is this really going to be seen? You know, I mean, I have to, I kind of make all these judgments like, well, you know, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to worry about paxing all of this because there's a wick going on it. You know, I'll pack up to here because the thinness of the wig right here. Or I'll pack, you know, where the part in the hair is. And then you don't you don't waste the actor's time. So I, I feel like I'm kind of con- conscious of how, how the performer is, kind of having been there a little bit. And, um, but, but yeah, went to, to makeup school. It was great. You know, um, you know, was, I think I was talking with my wife the other, the other day about, you know, I mean, I just... I had no real marketable skills when I got out of ballet. Like, you know, it's kind of like I couldn't do really anything, you know. So, you know, so I was working I was working at the the selling magazines at Third Street Promenade when I was going to makeup school. So magazines and newspapers. Yeah, right. Was that the one where they had the predator in the window once and uh, was a big shop down there. Well, there's there's not it the one that's in the middle in, it's a kiosk, right. you know, in the middle, like where, where everyone's walking. So it's an open air thing. Oh, okay, okay. And you know, I didn't even get to make it into the store. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I'm selling gum and like you know, chiclets and all of this stuff. You know, and you know, okay. you're you Are know. You there, there was a store down there. I was here. Yeah, in I know. I know exactly. And it was like a big. It was yeah. kind of like a Forbidden Planet E type. Yeah, of, I know uh, exactly which one you're talking about. Store. And they had like you know like a yeah. Cylon or something in the window. Yeah. Or a yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a Terminator or something. It was. I think that was a more of a block down because okay. I was like, I was within the first block. If you're on Santa Monica Boulevard, where the where the 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 street is closed off and yep. it's basically just a street for walkers yes. for pe- for pedestrians and people come up to the kiosk and yeah, yeah. you know and it's still there <laughs> and I you know every time I walk by I was like yeah I used to work there you know oh, that's but I think you know that that that's good you know I mean and uh, what year would have that been? Um, that was probably, I want to say like 98, 99, or yeah, probably 98. And, um, so I, you know, long and short, uh, went to the school. It was, it was really good. Um, learned a lot and, um, I then moved up for like back up to San Francisco because I, I was dating a girl up there at the time and did a few like a um, little bit of theater because that's kind of like where my connections were yeah and um, um, but I think I, I wanted to point touch uh, make a point that my my last dance director his name was Alonzo King he would always be like did you take did you take this choreography home and did you think about it because what you're doing is you're telling a story with movement what's your story because if you think about the story when you're performing as opposed to hitting this mark and pointing your foot this way da, 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 it's going to read better so it was very he's like it has to be very um you have to do your homework and be very autonomous about it and i think that that's what i try to do with my makeups now i i think about it from six different angles and uh our perspectives and i i i I love you know the seeing all the beautiful work that's out on you know social media and uh, all of our peers that are doing really cool work and you know up in the game and all that and it's you know i mean and so i think 
the attention to detail, I think that that's what you kind of get lost in. You yes. know, there's some details where I kind of like think, I don't know if I necessarily need that one, but I know these details have to be there. You know, and it's always a balancing level for for me, like <clears throat> what's going to be seen, what's not going to be seen. How's the you know? Are you getting the uh, are you getting this from the actor? The old twitchy foot or like, you know, like you can tell they're getting into a yeah. a lather. So it's like okay, we gotta we gotta wind this up because they're just they ain't gonna have it. And then you gotta just let them go. And then you'll do that those touches you know on set or when you get a minute you know just say to the first ad I need I need a, a solid ten to just finish it wind it up. You know, and a lot of times I think it's good because, like with Sarita and I on this on this Amundsen, we did a lot of age makeups, and we would get them. You know, we would look at each other and go like, "Yeah, we should let's let them go because we need to like get away from it." You know, because yeah, yeah. you get some fresh eyes. You know, and you're not just staring at it. You know, and they go away. They go to hair, does this, or he has a bite to eat or smoke or whatever, and come back like 20 minutes, 30 minutes later or something like, "Oh, that doesn't okay." So that. That yeah. doesn't look like anything that I just what I thought about before. Yeah. It's weird because makeup's a warm up. They'll kind of calm down and they'll kind of settle in and and you know, Sarita, yeah, yeah, and um, and I think that's the way with a, a lot of makeup. Sometimes you can just get too like, mm. so yeah. I guess part of being, you know, growing in 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 your in the profession is is also knowing to when to walk away. Yeah. You know when to like. It's enough, you know, because if I if I do any more, it's gonna it's just gonna turn that corner, and it's just like, mm, you yeah, know, you just yeah. know it, and that's kind of a that's just from turning the corner too many times and going like, well, I turned the corner and I did that, so I'm just gonna just step away, you yeah. know, and I mean, I just always liken it to this analogy, like, you know, because the, the more you do, the more you see, the more, you know, the longer that you've been in it. You have more seasoned eyes, and you have more like you know perspective on it. Mm-hmm. We used to say that it's very hard to believe that a, a 16-year-old girl who's an amazing technician um, knows about love, you know, because she's spent her whole life in ballet, but she's playing Juliet, falling in love, you know, on stage. And I'm not dismissing the technical value, but you might get a better performance out of someone who's 22 or 25 who's fallen in love, lived a little bit of life, and they understand what she's losing when the prince dies. Or, you know, like, they're going to, if they understand, if the feeling is there. So, um, and I, I, I think there's... A large truth in that not always but there's there's enough of it that it's it's a, it's a valid point and um but uh i think it's good that you had like a complete training prior to beginning makeup because you had yes yeah, second full, career <laughs> like, yeah you had like a full circle understanding of something and then beginning anew but the thing you began was at the end of something else so you'll have acquired something and i and there was a nice knitting or tying yeah, in yeah. that like I would have never really known about makeup, and unless it was for for dancing, like mm. like all oh, that people do that, you know. And but I it's mean, interesting how how almost anything that you accomplish, you build into how you think, and it's being aware that that's a lens through which you look. Right. When you're doing something, and yeah. so you get people from different backgrounds all doing makeup, 
and you've got to learn the technical skills but it's how you approach it and then you know there are variables like the person like you say the actor may be different or twitchy or right. just got off a plane is grumpy and hates you because they <laughs> off there for handsome faces now covered in rubber or whatever yeah, and exactly. you've got to cope with that and get them on side because we'll be doing this at 2am and you know <laughs> yeah and they're gonna you know they you got to do it for like you know if it's a one-off yeah it's easy but you got like yeah, a week of this thing, you know mm-hmm. i mean or a month or whatever yeah and we've got to get on <laughs> and i don't know i always kind of i always kind of like makeup was always around and always interesting to me i mean i always loved halloween mm-hmm. you know i can't say i was a big horror film fan because i i remember you know because I go to the makeup, I'd go to the the magazine stand looking for makeup or, or for dance magazine. You know, yeah, I wasn't yeah. looking for Fangoria, but I'd pass through Fangoria because it's all basically in the arts section. You yeah. know, and like Fangoria, and there's a guy with his face blown off. You know, and I'm yeah. like, wow, this is just insane. What is this? And I never really, you know, or Cinema Fantastique or um, Starlog. Yeah, you know, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gorezone. Um, I don't know if Rue Rue Morg Rue Morg Rue Morg yeah but again and then Cinefix but you'd have to know to look for that right (laughs) and but so it was always around you know I was kind of you know maybe it was just always knocking at the back of my head or whatever you know um, but uh, but yeah I mean and uh, so after school moved up to the Bay Area worked there for a little bit and the girl I was dating you know wanted to she wanted to have a European experience she wasn't feeling it in, in San Francisco <laughs> so I was like well we can't afford the European experience so let's go to the Eastern European experience because we can afford that you yeah, know because yeah, the yeah, dollar yeah. goes a lot longer <laughs> and I mean I didn't have much to my name you know after out of you know probably 10 years of professional dancing or 11 years or something like that um, you know, it's not a lucrative business, you know, and I didn't really have much money. And so, so we moved to uh, Budapest and that's, you know, and because one of the, one of the opera singers that I was doing at San Jose Opera, I was doing, I was assigned to him to do his makeup, hair, wig, um, was Hungarian and he was going to go back to the Hungarian opera house. He was kind of like on, on loan, I guess, at San Jose and um, and you know he he kind of hooked us in with like well you could stay at our place you know and oh, wow. you know um, I may have some contacts in the theater and so we literally I sold everything I we sold everything we owned which you know I had a, a full one bedroom apartment you know had furniture and all of that and so I sold all of that and I could fit everything I could in these two of these U-Haul garment boxes and my you know and a and a some luggage we we freighted that over on a boat on a ship to to hungary and um you know so we get there and like um big difference (laughs) well you know it's just like she wanted to get a you know i mean you're going you're going to like you know it's like this is like two this is like 99 you know and uh or 90, yeah, like end of 98 or something like that. And, um, yeah, and it, uh, it was like complete culture shock. And then, you know, then he's, you know, we're, we're kind of in, in his home and he's like, well, you guys have to go away for the weekend. I'm like, that's not the kind of thing you pull on me here, bro. Okay. Just saying. 
you know, stuff. Where do you go? I can't even read a street sign, man. It's Hungarian, dude. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what watermelon is. <laughs> oh my god. Go where? So I was like, you got to find me someplace to go, dude. I don't know where to go to. So we 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 ended up going to this youth hostel on on the weekends because his dad would come home from like their summer house to stay, you know, to stay on the week. To, to, to stay yeah. in the city. This would have been good information prior to... <laughs> yeah, if you were selling my whole life, buddy, yeah. you know? Yeah. I wouldn't have sold, like, you know, I would have packed a house yeah. that I could have shipped over or something, you know? But, oh so, you know, and then he's like, you know, you know, he was in theater there, and, you know, come to find out, like, you know, in Europe, if you're in theater, man, you're a lifer. I mean, you're not leaving that seat until you're dead, you know? You don't, like... You move up within the organization, but you don't, you know. Yeah. So that really didn't work too much to my benefit. So, I mean, long and short of it, I basically I went to a copy general. I made photocopies of, like, you know, four of my best makeups, you know, that had some variety. And to put a little resume together, you know. And uh, I just basically cold-called production is houses. Is that from, or did you, did This you is in that? Budapest. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's this little... Uh, I think it's called Hayuvardi Seaget. I think that's. I'm not sure, but but it's like a little island off the off the off the the Danube or the Duna, and that's it has like probably 20 different production houses where it's like they make commercials or whatever. And I okay. gave one to this company called Pioneer Productions, and that's how I met Ivan Proharnak and. Um, Nimrod Antal, who went on to do vacancy, because I did I did Nimrod's diploma film called Bistoshitash, which means insurance. Um, Ivan, yeah, right. So uh, Ivan, <laughs> who thought he you know, he's just over there in uh, in uh, Santa Monica now, and um, but that's how I met Ivan. Ivan made some really beautiful makeups. It's kind of like Bistoshitash. The the story's quick and simple. It's basically about these guys who have this list of the the exact speed that you need to um, total a car, but not die. <laughs> so they're like trying to, wow, you know, okay, <laughs> little side money, right? You know, so they all got like little lumps, bumps, cuts, injuries, and I made all of that stuff. And Yvonne did this really cool Virgil character, which like it, you know, it's all like ripped through like one ear, and it's, so it was a really cool because he had the the whole tooth that slips outside and lays on the side of the face and then the silicone the the gelatin piece actually goes over it so it looks like it's just a rip through this whole part of his wow and, and you had to uh, figure all this out yourself because you no that's I, yvonne did all he did of that. that he he prepped it and you know and it fit great you know I, I i just applied it you know and um a little bit of brain coming out you know i mean it was, it was cool you know and um so and that was like the first time that i had I mean, I'd done little gelatin pieces, but I mean, this is like, this is heavy duty, you know, and, um, um, but yeah, I did that. And then like kind of worked at Yvonne's shop. I did some beauty makeups. I worked with like, you know, a really talented, uh, who's still working. Her name's Pawnee Guerra, Guerra Pawnee, which the Pawnee is a first name, you know, great, great fashion, beauty makeup artist. Um, and, um. I lived and worked there for about two years, wow. you know, just kind of putting a resume together. And it, it, it worked out well because I kind of got the, you know, it's kind of like I worked with the stars in Hungary. You know, they're like pe- big people. So I kind of got the how to kind of deal with that mm-hmm. kind of like in a smaller market. Sure. Kind of prepped me for like that. a big, bigger market, you know. And, and then, you know, 
it was kind of the writing was on the wall and I just needed to get back here and so I came out to like an IMAX like 2000 or something like that and I met um, you know I did the stand in line with Dick Smith and you know I met V and um, Matthew Mungle and Kenny Myers and um, you know they all had good things to say about my portfolio Matthew was you know a very very good critique you know like I had this you know very um, you know American werewolf in London kind of like you know, through the face thing like Rick did and um, he's like this looks really good just just do a little bit more like red on the edges so it looks a little more inflamed you know I'll never forget that and, and um, asked V you know do you think I can work out here or She's like, yeah. So she gave me Brian Penicus's card, you know, and Brian still working today. He had an effect shop called Makeup of Monsters, mm-hmm. and um, so I went. I, I moved back to Cleveland for like six months or something like that. And um, um, see, Cleveland from Hungary—that's quite a difference. <laughs> second largest Hungarian population in the U.S. No way in Cleveland. So nice? somehow there's a little tie in there. Yeah, how about um, the weather is kind of the same too. Hot, humid summers, cold, snowy winters. Spring's beautiful, autumn's beautiful. But but yeah, so um, so yeah, and uh, so then I did the beauty thing for for a minute because I didn't want to get too locked in. So I became like a regional makeup artist for Lancome Cosmetics. Okay. So they just sent me around the the local area, you know, Pittsburgh, you know. I don't think I went to Detroit, but, you know, doing beauty makeup on women at the mall, you know. And that's great because they're normal people because that's what you're going to get. Those are what extras are, you know. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, so, And I liked, I liked Lancome a lot because Lancome's a great line that's very much akin to your natural beauty makeup for film or television. It's, it's earth tones, it's soft pinks, it's neutrals, you know, just... And... And an older audience. It's not a yeah, color yeah. line where you just pump in three thousand colors of green and blue on a teenager. You know, mm-hmm. you've got you've got women with issues like you know, not wrinkly, crepey, a little crepiness under the eye, a little yeah, crepe. Yeah, you know, no, you never say, well, better. you got some wrinkles. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you know, so that was that was good, and then then finally moved back to to um, to Cleveland to uh, Los Angeles and. Um, I went in and I interviewed with, with Brian and um, got a call like maybe a month later. Or I called him back actually just to see if there was anything going on. He's like, "Well, um, yeah, we got we got a show show and you know we want to pour up some bodies and polyfoam bodies and stuff." I was like, "Yeah." So did that and made tons of polyfoam bodies and then did a lot of like Brian had this technique of making kind of like more rigid bodies um, out of like urethanes and then like cutting and pasting the, the pieces together and stuff and um, so I did a lot of that did a lot of bondo like auto body bondo kind of thing and on to, to mesh the seams and those are pretty much it and they packed up the show and moved went to Florida because that's where they were filming and I got a call a week later and he's like we need you here we need you to paint these bodies you know and uh, but I was starting to paint like the background bodies and some other stuff and he's like, do you know how to airbrush and all that? And I was like, yeah, kind of. And he, he showed me a few little modeling things. He's like, take this polyfoam head home, you know, prime it, and, you know, packs it out, and then just 
model it and kind of make it look dead or whatever. And uh, took it back. He's like, start start on those bodies right now. So these were all the dead bodies in the cave for Jeepers Creepers, and that was that was my first screen credit. Wow. So that was cool, you know, yeah, hot yeah. hot. What is it? Ocala summer in Florida, you know, where the bugs are like bigger than your foot, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's a palm. That's a roach, dude. Okay, it's not a palmetto bug. It's flying. It's a flying roach. Okay, I don't care what you call it. Palmetto really sounds really nice, but it's a roach. <laughs> And you know, love bugs. You know, there's these bugs that yeah, like are connected lovely. at the yeah, yeah. connected at the button. You know, but nobody tells you that like when you hit them, and if you don't get them off your car, they'll ruin your paint. You know, this is. I think the love bug was a, a Florida State or Florida University experiment gone wrong, <laughs> something like that. But uh, but yeah, so that was and that was kind of the start of it. You know, I I had one business card when I came to Los Angeles. That's the only. And that was from someone I didn't know. I think what's interesting is, obviously, you had opportunities that happened, but you had done a lot before that point. So it's what you had in there that perhaps at that time you didn't necessarily think was going to be useful. But looking back, I think that's where I think that precision, like you said, it comes from. Yeah. You had demands made of you for a long period of time where things mattered. You had to get a performance done tonight. When you're tondoing or doing Grand Bama or doing a men's variation where it's jumps and turns, you need it to be as clean as possible. Yeah. And that idea of that, you know, um, probably is, you know, and I feel like, I feel like, you know, it's like from, from all the, everyone I see, uh, you know, a lot of the art peers and stuff, it's just the, the precision, how can you make it a little cleaner, a little nicer, and, you know, and, um, you know, just keep kind of going and just, yeah. Matthew Munga, and it was funny that I met Matthew because then I started working at his shop, you know, and and uh, it's funny because he was selling some of his products, his WM products and stuff, and I still, I, I kept the receipt of one of the first things that I bought from him and stuff, and I, I worked at his shop for, for a long time, you know, I mean, that's where I was on 9-11, you know, we're doing, I was sculpting like skinned bodies for X-Files, you know, and then 9-11 happened, and he was like, y'all gotta go home, man. Go to the bank, get some money, and go home. Just hang tight. Hang tight. (laughs) The whole world's coming unglued, man. What do you mean? I can't even get a phone call out, you know? So, so yeah, that was crazy, and and then just kind of made my way, and I I worked a little bit in the shop for, well, I did Species 3, and then Joel Harlow called me up, because he was doing Species 3, and he called me up, he's like, do you want to sculpt some stuff for, for pirates? I was like, yeah, sure, and so, I, you know, I was getting into the union, because I had just finished a show, and he's he's like, are you union? And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, and they were doing all these cannibal things, so I was like, you know, can I get on the show? And he's like, well, yeah, you know, he's like, here's some cannibal pieces, take them home put it on somebody and you send us some pictures or take some photos and show us so I did like a cannibal makeup and um, and I've posted it on Instagram or whatever but um, and just I mean I lived in like North Hollywood there's not a lot of like tropical trees you know I mean this that'd be a good right there <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know not not in the alley you know where the trash bins are so I found the any something green that he could be in and I did a paint job and you know V you know V liked it and she said, bring them on, you know, so that's, that's, 
Pirates two and three was my first union job, and you know I went from a from a a movie that was like five hundred thousand dollars to five hundred million dollars. You know, I was like, step up. This is a much bigger craft service table. Yeah. (laughs) You mean we just don't have to eat peanuts all day? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But uh, it's been, you know, I mean, it's been great. You know, it's been a great ride, a great journey. I've met a lot of great people. You know, I mean. You've been busy, man. I look through your IMDb and it's like, there's a lot. You've been very consistently busy. And I think if you do good work, people want you in. So, you know, you're doing good stuff. I mean, I just, I I appreciate any opportunity given, you know, and I just try to do the best that I can, you know. Um, um, And, you know, people people have been great giving me opportunities. I mean, this, you know, and I mean, you know, people wanting to take a minute to just chat or whatever, you know. Um, I don't know and I think you know my wife and daughter just give a lot of you know anybody that has kids it gives a lot of perspective to the, the crazy craziness of the industry you know I think it it uh, um, I don't know just it's good to be able to remember and keep yourself together well, yeah. because it can yeah. distract you and uproot and because it's like it, it is a roller coaster you know it's like you know and um, just you know how it works out or whatever you know but um, you know, but lots of cool things, you know, I mean, uh, the Pirates movies were cool, and then worked a little bit with Totopolis on some of the Underworld and Resident Evil things, and, you know, and, you know, it's like when I met you, and, you know, I've met a lot of your peers in the UK, and, you know, like Lou and Ava, and all of you know, and then European makeup artists. I mean, I love what everyone's doing over there, yeah. you know, and I, I love the realism that's coming out, and, you know, and I want to do that, you know, and I love, you know, because I, I think uh, I think a lot of times, you know, the airbrush is overused too much, particularly for character makeups. I think it has its place for maybe a pre-paint or maybe a final blast or something, but, um, you know... Um, I really fell in love with the way Luva and Ava were doing everything with just a little toothbrush and a little bit of, you know, little, those Delium, you know, brushes, those little stipple yeah, brushes, yeah, just yeah. building up the, the, the mauves and the pinks and the, the olives and all of that, and then a little spatter and stuff, and it just feels like it's much less applied, a little bit of cream after that just to wake up the, the dryness of the illustrator and all of that, you know, so it doesn't look, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just want to work with, with people that I, you know, that are really talented, you know, because I always feel like I just learn a ton, you know, I mean, you know, I, I know what I know, and thanks, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's like, I, I think everything that I've learned I, is, I love it because Howard, Howard called me up to do an episode of the Orville, and I mean, you talk about just knocking it out, I mean, you have an hour and a half to do a full alien, and then, you know, and then you got two, so like, we got there at like 3:42. You know, I've got this alien with like a big, huge, like bubble brain. You know, and a whole and a whole face. It's all foam. Has a little bit of pre-paint on it. You know, got to do the hands too. So I mean, it it's always just, catches you out. The hands. It's just like wow. Okay, so you got to just this is like this is like go time. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean you're burning through it. You know, you know, and you know. Um, so I got I got that one done, and then there was then I had another alien was like a silicone makeup, you know, just like a goggles thing, but it had to be nicely put down. But then it was a girl, so I had to do a yeah. beauty makeup on it, yeah. you know, and like kind of make her look, you know. So I, you know, 
put some little dots here and a little dude, you know, a little Asian thing there and, you know, whatever. But and it was great, you know. I mean, Was it a lot of it designed or was it kind of like you had a rough idea what they wanted but you just got to roll with it? No, it's just you just figure it out. So this is like being like a triage nurse. Yeah, I mean, like this is decide like. Decide what you got to do quickly because you just got to get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really, because I'm like thinking like, I'm, I'm not even thinking too far ahead because like, uh, um, I was like, okay, I got to just knock this out, you know, and. Uh, I think that's when the experience kicks in because you are making good decisions, but you're not really thinking. You're not aware that you're thinking about these things too much. Yeah, I mean, like this is the guy. So well, that's that's an that's an hour and like forty minutes. Yep. <laughs> and then this is this is a girl. That's like an that's like an hour and fifty. And it's just like, wow, dude, this is like killing. <laughs> so I really I knew kind of what the parameters were, but it was it was great. It's a great experience, you know. It's, it's fun. So working with Debbie on Twin Peaks, she's made me her key on a things and you know I mean Twin Peaks was great obviously with David got a little Emmy nomination out of it too so you know that's pretty I I what I do like kind of mostly is that it's it's not for prosthetics people think I'm a prosthetics guy only you know I like it that it's this is for character makeups beauty makeups you know hair work like we did a lot of we did some this guy had like kind of a goatee probably similar to your length and then we just had to marry it into like some stubble and all of that you know so did the whole like prostate cream and you know dry it a little lace yeah. lace thing scrub your stuff pull the lace down you I've know seen Margaret Prentice, the first time I saw that done was like, <gasps> it's, like it's like magic yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot cheaper than a flocking gun you Damn know what right, I mean yeah, yeah. and it doesn't blow your head off because you have cap because you got metal and you're like boom <laughs> <laughs> I said, hold the, uh, hold the ground thing, dude. <laughs> Do not let go of that. You didn't yeah. tell me you had, cab- you didn't tell me you had uh, braces. Good, 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 good. White spots. Yeah, I've got hairy teeth now. But, yeah, she, I learned that in makeup, I learned that in makeup school, and that was always a good little trick. You take, particularly ballet, tutu, tool, not lace, tool is actually, has a little bit bigger, so you can scrub a little more. Good to know. Yeah. And their ballet tutu, I think it's a, I think it's a diamond shape. Okay. I think, as opposed to a square, which is, or, or one of them's like, maybe it's like, di- I don't know. Hexagonal. I don't know. But okay. It. It's six one half doesn't matter. Nice. Just as long as the hair can slide through, I guess you know. That's amazing. Have you but, been back to IE since to, to pop in and visit? Yeah, I, I go go every once in a while and just do a little chat or do a little demo. I mean, it's great. I actually was over at um, Cinema Makeup School, you know, just chatting with them for a minute. You know, um, I mean, I think it's important to talk to, to to the younger generation, you know, and like you know, obviously all of this and um, um, but. You know, just kind of, just give them. I mean, there's. I think the secret secret to success is like you know, you get to work early, you work hard, you offer to stay late. You know, just do what they say. You know, because yeah. they'll ask for your opinion at some point. But you know, it's yeah. better. You know, you don't lead with that. You don't really need to yeah, challenge. I mean, you have an opinion, but you don't I mean, need to know that at the beginning. <laughs> I know you know better. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so so yeah. I mean, it's been it's been a good road and see where the rest you know the next 15 20 years you know or however long i can hold a brush or whatever you know i don't know it's tough i mean social media and all that like what what does it mean and all of it and i, I always say it doesn't mean anything 
None of, you know, Instagram doesn't mean anything because in five years that's going to be gone. And then what? Where's your 150K going to be? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, you know, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I think it's more about, you know, you can be the, you know, as well as I can, you can be the best technician in the world and you, you might not be able to get along with people. Well, I'm sorry, you're in a makeup trailer full of people and actors and the makeup isn't, it's not about your makeup. It's about the actor being comfortable in the makeup. I mean, I know you, some people might think they want to be the star, but you're not the star. You yeah, know, yeah. they're the star, yep. you know, so you're a service provider, you know, and, you know, I mean, I post as much as, but I'm kind of dialed it back a in, of late. I just don't think it's, you know, I mean. Yeah, but it's, 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 there's a difference between, I think, being busy and then posting the stuff you've done rather than everything you post is everything you've, do you know what I mean? Where people are just producing stuff purely to post. Right. So then the, the, the exposure is the motivation not the work itself. You're exactly that, right. That, that always gets under yeah. my skin because when I speak to people like you or anyone you know that does it, that's the thing that matters to them, and I want that message to get out. So yeah. Don't get caught up in that treadmill of, of, of backpacking and, and self. Because it, at the it end of the doesn't give you what you need. It doesn't give you what you want. Right. It's it's a false idol. It's true. At the end of the day, it also is like, what do you want to do? Are, do you want to be a film and television makeup artist, or do you want to do makeups for Instagram or Facebook? I mean, I don't. Yeah. Are, I just. I, you know, I, I, the the fame and notoriety thing. It's kind of like famous makeup artist. I mean, I can think of like ten because they've done forty plus years in it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's kind of like because they're legendary. It's not because they were on Instagram. I just I think the whole thing of like fame and popularity is like you want to get it right now. Yeah. It's like, but you haven't. You know, V Neil's been doing it. You know. What value Stuart do you Freeborn has been doing it for 40, 50, 60 years. These, the, the, Rick, Dick, John, Chambers, you know, they've all been doing it forever. Yeah. But they're not interested in any of that. That's a byproduct of it. Yeah. If you're true to the craft, if you're true to work, and this was with ballet too, you know, I mean, because there's fame and notoriety in ballet, you know, come out of the backstage door, people are asking for your autograph. I mean, that's not why you do it. You do it because for that moment on stage, you have complete communication and people are understanding that you know between you and another person or you're doing a a makeup well done you do it in you know you do it you get an hour and a half and thank god there's an hour and 40 and you can get it done and your boss is happy and that's you know and you've had a few minutes to put some some bells and whistles on it and that's just a job well done that's personal satisfaction Mm -hmm. um posting it sure you know i mean you know, or even with that one, like the, the texture on the face had nothing to do with the texture on the cowl. So how did how do you solve that problem? So I went in and just painted in some of that and then did a lot of spatter over it so it sunk it underneath and then it the transition feels realer. But mm-hmm. but yeah, the I get it, you know. I mean but that's where people struggle with you know, yeah. that's that's the, the the newer struggle. I mean I um I mean, I think everybody wants to be appreciated, you know, but, you know, it's like, why are you doing this? I mean, I do it just because I, I like the work and I'm intrigued by it. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I want to, like, my next thing, I want to do a fish guy. Well, I did I did in humans and we did Triton, but I can't post it anywhere because it's Marvel. So maybe I'll do my own fish guy. And then exactly. I'll make him look a little bit like, uh, uh, you know, an Innsmouth versus, you know, with Triton thrown in there. And I'll yeah, just yeah. do a lot of that. And, you know, is 
I just try to make things that are hybrids of I kind of it's a big throw it up in the air and it's like a big mosh of whatever and then you kind of you know yeah. so we'll end on that awesome <laughs> thank you so much cheers man. Great. thank you that thank was... you uh, so I guess we'll wrap up um, mate that was awesome yes it was and, and, and you and Richard I, I wish I could have been there with you guys because you you talked you talked about stuff that we talk about frequently I saw um, uh, Jordu Shell was doing a, a little live video today a promote well he's talking about his movies he's still making it his short he's been busy but he's still working on it and um he was doing a live thing and i, I just noticed like halfway through and i came in and just said oh hi jordu and he stopped and said stuart pray i want to be on the podcast like that <laughs> great so that was cool okay. so um, uh, hopefully uh jordu will be in on that too so that was nice he's coming over in march i think it is whenever imats is is it that early so, yeah, March or April, I think. Or maybe it's May. I don't know. It's one of the months before June, anyway. Um, but yeah, so he'll be over for that. I guess he's doing a workshop while he's over here, but uh, it'd be good to have him over here. But I'd love to go and see his studio as well. It's it's a nice one, unless he's moved since I was there last. But uh, I was at his shop in, in L.A., and it's pretty nice. All right, dude. Well, listen up. You rest up, and then uh, we'll catch up at some point this week and record another. Sounds good. Uh, and like I say, you know, if you have any questions you want to get in touch with the show, I would really like to hear your stories of, like, cheeky bastards that have asked for ridiculous things. If you've got any of those stories, you can come message us at stuartandtod.gmail.com or leave a message on our Facebook page, Battles with Bits of Rubber. Yep, and we now have an Instagram page as well. We do. I need to put some more pictures on that. It's yeah, been we've only got, a, only got a few posts on it, but we'll we'll try to get more stuff up and and rolling there. Uh, but yeah, send us your stories. It'll be our our version of the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> well, I just think it'd be quite cathartic for people to hear. I mean, the more ridiculous, the better. Just so you can hear and go, "Fuck!" I thought I was the only one who kept getting these fucking morons coming in with these stupid requests, and and we can formulate some kind of thorough, robust response that you can feel confident in exporting because you go do you know what this is bullshit this is not just one-off this is actually a fucking you know like a technique um because the thing is as well i think it tends to be very manipulative people who Mm -hmm. who do it because they're very good at making the person who they're asking feel bad about saying no they there's a way of doing it you know i think a lot of uh (laughs) i'm glad i'm not that way yeah (laughs) no it's like a real marketing kind of uh you know, kind of a Scientology-esque kind of like mind-mending thing. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not good like that. I'd probably make a lot more money if I could be. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but then my soul would be hollow. So I, don't... I like you the way you are. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Maybe a little bit more kind of like, you know, chirpy chirpy. But that'll be when you when you come back and bounce back to full health. Yeah, well... Let's let's. I'll keep my fingers crossed. It'll happen, so I can come over and we can double team a Jordy podcast. That'd be fantastic. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, dude. Take care, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.